0: Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that would help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akira. Hey, sallam alaykum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome. The 12th episode with Coach Ola today, we have Umm Sakina, as many of you may know her as Kate from The Healthy Muslima. In today's episode, we will talk about her professional background, we will share her journey to Islam, how to prepare for Ramadan, how to warm up for it, and much more. Assalamualaikum Sakina, how are
1: you? Wa-alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Ola. Jazakallah for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today, Alhamdulillah
0: yeah, I'm so excited, to so have you too.
1: So please tell us about yourself and what you currently do. Absolutely. Before I say anything else, I really just wanted to congratulate you on this podcast. It's absolutely amazing. And I applaud everything you're doing in the Ummah for Muslim women and just the Ummah in general when it comes to like health, wellness and fitness. It's absolutely phenomenal. Alhamdulillah. May Allah's plan increase you in benefits and goodness. I mean, so a little bit about me. I basically, I run the Healthy Muslim platform. I'm the founder of Healthy Muslimah. Which then became the Healthy Muslim Summit. And really, Healthy Muslim is about embracing health and wellness in all areas of our lives. So it's not just about nutrition, though that is kind of my area of expertise because I'm a qualified nutrition consultant. But I really believe in health uh, being holistic. So, you know, we look at our physical well being, our mental well being, emotional well being, and of course, our spiritual well being. And at the core of everything that I do, really, um, is a focus on uh, simplification. You know, I think our world is so really busy and so many of us feel overwhelmed so much of the time. And what I really try to do with the entire Healthy Muslim uh, platform is to simplify health and wellness for Muslim women. I also do Get Ready for Ramadan, which is a Ramadan prep course. And my latest project is the Then and Now project, which is based on a book I've just written, which is literally being printed right now, Alhamdulillah, which is Then and Now, Food in the Time of the Prophet and Food Now, Alhamdulillah.
0: Yay, guys. We will talk about it, too. I'm so excited for you, Kate. Uh, I'm Sakina. This is so exciting,
1: and I'm still used to calling Kate, by the way. <laughs> you know what? Don't worry. I'm kind of used to calling me Kate as well, and I'm probably going to confuse everybody for the next few months, but <laughs> it was just a decision I made when I was writing the book that I decided to write it under a kunya rather than put my name on. Apart from anything else, you know, with the name Kate, Happen. obviously I get a lot of people saying are you, are you named after the actress I'm like no <laughs> and then they always ask like did your parents love the actress I'm like no and they're like do people ask you that a lot I'm like all the time <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of a conversation I've had a thousand times in my life and I just thought you know what let's just keep this really simple and I kind of like the Kunya um Sakina anyway because you know Sakina being tranquility is very much what I try to embrace with the high, with the entire sort of platform alhamdulillah that's so
0: true. I, That's you're- Exactly, your platform does bring tranquility, alhamdulillah. So then
1: would you please tell us about your journey to Islam? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'll try to keep this as uh, short as possible because it's quite a long story. So I'll give you the short version. I guess, um, you know, I was living in the Middle East. And the funny thing about even just the fact that I was living there was that I'm not even sure why I wanted to go there. You know, previously I'd been working in the UK and I just got this amazing bee in my bonnet that I wanted to go work in the Middle East for no real reason because I didn't know anything about the Middle East. so. Um, I ended up teaching, you know, getting a job there, teaching English. And what was amazing was that for my first three years, nobody actually told me anything about Islam, subhanAllah. Like, And I knew nothing about Islam until somebody suggested that I look into the Quran. And they started telling me about the science and the history in the Quran. And I thought, okay, well, I'll check this out. And so I did. I started researching. I got online, you know, and I started reading about all these amazing things. You know, the the mountains, uh, the description of mountains, like having pegs the separation of the water, the sun, you know, in all the the planets in orbits and all these different things. And I remember reading for the first time that Jews, Muslims and Christians all believed in the same God. And I was so shocked because I had, I I have no idea how I got to the age of 30, not knowing that subhanallah, like I think with the media, I thought that everybody was fighting and that everybody believed something different. And so it really unraveled what um, what I thought I knew about Islam. And that obviously made me more curious. So I carried on reading and I eventually got to this point where I had sort of come to an academic conclusion that the Quran was, was genuine because there was just so much in this book that could not have been known by a man 1400 years ago, you know, it just wasn't possible. And so it was a kind of a backwards thing. I was like, well, if the Quran is real, then therefore I believe in the prophets. Therefore, you know, this is the word of Allah. But what was interesting with that was it was very much an academic thing. You know, I just kind of had it in my head and I was speaking to someone. They're like, you know, that technically makes you Muslim. I'm like, I'm not Muslim. (laughs) So I was like, no way. I'm not Muslim. Because at that point, you know, you have this sort of academic understanding. But all I could think about was implications, really, because... I was a traveler, you know, I had sort of traveled over 25, almost 30 countries. I lived a very, when I say, quote unquote, free lifestyle, you know what I mean? Like scuba diving on the beach, all that sort of stuff. And all I could really think about was what would this mean for my life and what would it mean for my family? You know, I was, I was very, very stressed and very worried about that. So for about eight months, I did nothing. And I, I was really, I was working in event management and I was very busy And I was like, I kept thinking, like, what do I do? What do I do? And this one word kept coming into my head. It was like, pray. I'm like, I'm not praying. I'm not Muslim. I'm not praying. I'm just, (laughs) I'm busy. I'm not doing this. I just kept putting it out of my mind. I kept putting it off. And eventually, I got to this point where uh, I was at, I just completed a massive, massive three day event, like enormous uh, live event. And my job had ended. My contract had ended. I didn't know where I was going and you know you you have those points in your life where you just have these complete breakdowns where you just like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know where i'm going i have no idea what's happening with my life and of course i've got this this conflict with islam and what i what i believe but what i you know what i'm worried about all these different things kind of like came to a crescendo and i'm like what do i do what do i do and this word came again it was like pray but it was a lot stronger this time i'm like okay you know what i'm going to pray and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I had seen people like make wudu, but I didn't know how to do it. So I kind of just slushed myself down and <laughs> I didn't know how to pray properly. The only thing that I really knew about the prayer was uh, sujood. So I'm like, right, well, that I, that I know how to do. And subhanAllah, I cannot describe that feeling as my forehead hit the floor for the first time. I was crying my eyes out and I was just like, <laughs> sort of. Very practical prayer, but it's kind of like, look, if you're there, I really need help right now. (laughs) And uh, subhanAllah, by that afternoon, I had been connected with an American convert, revert, whichever you you like to call it, who was living in the same area as me. And subhanAllah, I took my shahada three days later. Uh, It literally, everything just fell into place from that point where I put my head down and I was speaking to Allah and I was like, look, I really need help. I don't know what to do. Help. And yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Alhamdulillah. I love it. And you're like getting me into tears because
0: as we are recording this episode, so technically on the day of this episode on Wednesday is when I launched the 11th episode, which talked about my special transformation and like what about it and how we should work up. We should focus on it as well. Yeah. And I said, you know, especially converts can relate to this. And this is why I relate to converts a lot, especially in my early days as well. They call a newborn. So when a convert comes to Islam, they're, they're called like newborns because that feeling, the internal feeling, like they found something, there's a light inside and it's, it is hard to describe. It's hard to put into words, but I completely feel you. And yeah, no, so it's the same thing with me, uh, with the Quran, especially like I wanted to study from an academic perspective and like try to understand it. And that's a perfect segue. Then if you can tell us about how was Ramadan for you in your journey, especially in your early days?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, I also just thank you for sharing that. You know what you're saying yeah. on your side. I think so many, um, even born Muslims, quite often have that that experience. That you know, a lot of a lot of people may just be you know doing things that they're doing, but they're not sure why. And then mm-hmm. they have this sort of transformational experience where they really connect with, with the deen. subhanAllah. And so many born Muslims have actually relayed stories to me that are almost identical to, as you say, new Muslim stories. SubhanAllah, it's amazing. But yeah, talking about my my first Ramadan, wow. So I I took my Shahada in may in 2010 and i was living in the emirates yeah i know can you believe it It's was I, I cannot believe it what's that you were saying no no
0: it's, i'm saying because subhan- i wore hijab in 2011 that's when i like talked oh, about No way.
1: yeah <laughs> subhanallah so like our transitions were very much around about the same time right that's just amazing yeah and um so yeah i was in the emirates at the time and uh, if anybody's been to the emirates this you know so May was when I took my shahada. Ramadan that year was falling in August. Now, if you've been to the Emirates, anybody who's been, there would know that August is incredibly We're hot. hot. <laughs> it's really, really hot, right? So it gets, I mean, I know while I lived there, the, I think the hottest we got up to was uh, 55 Celsius, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, it's just insanely, it's just ridiculously hot. So as a brand new Muslim, this was like, now I had three months before Ramadan. I was totally convinced I was going to die. I was just like, how am I going to no, I mean, seriously, I'm like, how am I going to not drink? I'm going to die, like, this for sure. And, um, you know, I was obviously I was quite stressed about this. You know, I didn't know anything about fasting. I didn't know anything about prayer. I was trying to learn everything. You know, as, as a new Muslim, you're just, everything is new, and you're trying to figure out everything. Like, why do people say SubhanAllah? Why do they say Alhamdulillah? Like, when do they say this? It just, you just have no idea what you're doing, right? And I remember even, like, praying in congregation, and I, like, I had my, my eyes, I'm looking out to the left, looking out to the right, trying to follow people's actions because I didn't know what came next. You know, what I mean? like <laughs> a little kid, you know, how little in. Yeah, totally. And except you're not a little kid, you're an adult. So you actually feel kind of foolish and kind of vulnerable. And anyway, I'll get to that anyway with the first Ramadan. So, yeah, I was really worried about my first Ramadan and a sister gave me the most amazing or she just said the most amazing thing that put my mind at ease. She said, Kate, just relax. Think of it like this you're having breakfast, you're having dinner, you're just skipping one meal, you're skipping lunch. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a totally different way to look at it. I'm like, okay, that's doable, right? I mean, it's not the end of the world. And so, you know, I prepared as much as I could. And Alhamdulillah, in terms of the fasting, I was very blessed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it easy for me. But you know, there was a lot that came with that first Ramadan. You know, I think, for one, it was an incredible experience for the first time praying in congregation, like praying Tarawih. I actually remember the one night that I went and just standing side by side with hundreds and hundreds of sisters and this beautiful recitation, there was just, there's no words to describe that feeling. It was just amazing. And then I remember actually getting tired and I couldn't carry on. So I went to sit at the back of the masjid, you know, while everybody continued, you know, the the final bits of Tarawih and in fact, that was one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life, because usually you're in the prayer, you don't see it. But because I was sitting at the back and I was watching it, the, this sort of vision of all of these women dropping into sujood simultaneously, you know, and the sound of Quran and Allah, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, Alhamdulillah. That being said, like, look, Ramadan was not all smooth. I think one of the big things for me that first Ramadan was that I felt very lonely and I felt very isolated. I cried a lot. In fact, I think I cried almost every day that first Ramadan. You know, I was three months into Islam. Um, Things were very difficult with my family. Uh, I was, you know, you're just very unsure of everything in your life. You don't know what this means. You don't know how to do things. Um, And I remember actually going for one taruh, this is kind of a funny story because it's silly in hindsight but i remember how vulnerable i felt at the time and how foolish i felt at the time and it just reminds me of how kind of how sensitive new muslims are so Mm -hmm. i was praying i was praying and i kind of this is one of my i think it was actually one of my first ones and someone had explained to me kind of how it works i'm like okay i've got that right you know so i'm walking and i'm like i'm going to the masjid for the first time i'm feeling really brave i'm kind of terrified and um it was one of those raqat where, you know, people drop instantly to make sujood. And, you know, you can't anticipate that because you don't know about that as a new Muslim. So, of course, the whole everybody drops to make sujude and I'm standing there like an idiot. <laughs> What's going on? And then, of course, I followed them, but I felt so silly and I felt so foolish I got home that night and I cried my eyes out, just thinking, I'm never going to get this. You know what I mean? It's so complicated. It's so difficult. Uh, so yeah, that first Ramadan was really a massive mix of just the most beautiful experiences of sort of trying out new things, of feeling very vulnerable, of feeling very lonely and isolated. And then also, I think something that was really, uh, really beneficial for me, alhamdulillah, was that. You know, I remember sitting, having my iftar, and I was always uh, breaking fast by myself, right? And eventually I thought, well, instead of doing this, maybe I can do something productive. And there was the masjid down the road from me. Like most of the masjids actually have food, sort of uh, food tents set up in Ramadan. But this particular one didn't. And I thought, well, you know, there were a lot of poor workers there. And I thought, well, I'm sitting doing nothing at iftar. Maybe I can actually turn this time into something productive. And so, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, with a friend, we actually started providing um, basic food to that masjid. And we maintained that for the whole of Ramadan. So instead of like being miserable and breaking my fast by myself, I was really busy like uh, cooking and setting up food and the rest of it. So what was, what actually started out as a hardship turned into something that uh, was beneficial inshallah. And I pray that Allah Taala accepts it from me. I mean, so that's (laughs) my whole story.
0: That's no, I love it. And you got me into like tears too, because that's what I'm so passionate about wanting to connect to the converse because I know it's a common struggle with a lot of them and it's not as it's spoken and it's, it's, it's real. So um that's why I'm happy that you shared your story and the feeling that you had for Ramadan. I also felt that feeling like, I forgot what year, but I think it's the same time that I did wear the hijab and I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like what Ramadan is coming? Like what? What? Oh my gosh, what? Like, you know, and get excited <laughs> for a party or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that joy. Yeah, and that joy is sometimes it's not easy to get that spiritual uplifting and alhamdulillah, like this year, I'm finally back into that and I want to maintain it. And, and so like, oh, help me maintain it. But it's obviously mm-hmm. not easy. And that's that was the whole intention of my spiritual transformation episode is that, you know, we got to work on just like we got to work on our anyhow.
1: Absolutely. But- so I'm, I'm really interested <laughs> in what you say with that, because I, I, I've i also found, have you also found that um, not every Ramadan is different? I mean, sorry, not every Ramadan is the same. Yeah. So like sometimes you'll be like really for it. And other times you're just feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, really flat. And it's really tough. And so it it really fluctuates with the years. You know, I've certainly found that it ha- it hasn't been consistent. And very much like you, you know, this this Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, I'm so looking forward to it.
0: Yes, me too. And lot, like there was one year, like the years when I was kind of like far from Allah, and you know, um, the years depression and whatever. It's just that I would go to Taraweeh and pray, but deep inside. I was mm-hmm. like, nope, he's not replying to my du'a. I was like, nope, he's not there for me. Like, it, it's it's bad to say, but it's the reality I was living in, and I don't ever go back to that stage, state of mind, or stage ever. But I bet you that this is a, a reality for so many Muslims out there who probably do go to tarawih or do go to uh, Friday prayers, but deep, deep, deep inside, there's like no conviction of anything, and that's why it's important to like look on the mindset and the spirit, and the soul work, because they both go hand in hand. Like absolutely. Why do you feel like there's no convention? Like, what is? And it's a mental work. It's a mindset work too. So yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So then, how do you usually prepare for Ramadan? Then <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> I want to be honest here. My Ramadan preparation has really varied over the years, from being super duper organized to literally like skidding into Ramadan the day before, going like, "Oh my god, it's Ramadan tomorrow! <laughs> I've got to get organized." I've done nothing. So I think now, you know, I've been running Get Ready for Ramadan. This is the fourth year. So that that has helped me in, in many ways. Although sometimes when I ran the course too close to Ramadan, it actually, I ended up being so busy with the course that I didn't manage to get as much prep for myself done. I think for me now, one of the main things that I've realized with, with Ramadan, and I think it kind of ties in with what you were saying about that spiritual, that, that shifting the mindset and also, you know, just kind of like getting that spiritual connection back and all those different things is that, and this is something that applies to me and it applies to almost every woman that I've spoken to, is that we have to address the state of overwhelm in our lives. You know, every single person that I speak to is feeling overwhelmed. Everybody is, you know, you say, how are you? They go busy. This is a standard um, response in the world that we're living in. And so, you know, it's a bit like uh, if you imagine like your plate being full and then, you know, Ramadan is coming and you want to add all this amazing good stuff onto your plate, you know, like you do, you want to increase your prayers and you want to read Quran, you want to do all these good things, but your plate is already full. Like you've got no space whatsoever. That the only way that you can then add those good things is either you put them on top and you overload yourself or you end up pushing some things off. So one of the key things for me with Ramadan preparation has been the concept of, you have to make space for change and that means that you have to like look at your life and you have to intentionally try to reduce overwhelm in all areas right so kind of that's a starting point like decluttering just physically mentally emotionally um, electronically especially we're so connected Uh, most of our inboxes and you think about how many things you subscribe to and you're just being bombarded the whole time so that's one of my biggest things I'm like I do massive clear outs before Ramadan in all areas so like my home even my brain you know like brain dumping getting everything out of your head onto paper so that you can then really get done what you need to get done and just kind of like cut back on anything that isn't absolutely essential and then like so that's for me like the making space for change and then of course you know reconnecting with the Quran with uh, starting with remembrance of Allah you know dhikr astaghfirullah deem all of these different things because we can't, I mean, the thing about you, I'm sure you've done this before. I have certainly done this before in, in my life. Like I have decided, okay, I'm having a complete life overhaul. I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to recron. I'm going to do like everything. And I'm starting it all at once tomorrow type of thing. And you, you manage to like last for say three or four days with amazing intentions, but you can't maintain it because it's too much. And so I really believe starting to prepare well in advance And going, you know, with what Allah loves is that those deeds that are small and regular and just slowly building things up. So start reading. If you haven't read any Quran, read like I'll read like one page remembrance of Allah. And then obviously also uh, getting practically ready, you know, like in terms of food, nutrition, all that sort of stuff, whatever you can plan in advance makes a huge difference that you're not spending loads of time cooking and doing all that stuff in the month. And then I think the final thing that I definitely do is try to spend some time, you know, because now you've cleared out, you've organized everything, and then like doing some deep internal reflection work. And at the base of all of this really is what you were talking about. It's that, that mindset shift, right? You've got to get your mind into the right place and it's better to do that start doing that well before Ramadan comes than to like Ramadan arrives and now you're trying to like get organized as well as get your mindset in place as well as make all these positive changes it's just it's so overwhelming if you do it that way so definitely like starting at least now and getting yourself prepared is the best way to go inshallah exactly yes inshallah
0: and it's decluttering is a huge thing and i'm also <laughs> a fan of that and yes now you you're a de- are you a declutterer as well i I think I'm a clutter.
1: I'm not a (laughs) (laughs) declutter. You know, but the good thing is you have to have clutter in order to be able to declutter. It's therapeutic. I've got to the unfortunate point now where I don't really have a lot of clutter. I love decluttering. And I don't really have a lot of clutter anymore. So it kind of like I'm like, I feel like decluttering. And I've got nothing to declutter. I'm like, I need to get into somebody else's house to (laughs) declutter. Maybe you should offer services (laughs) for
0: Online. Do you know how many no, people seriously? have said that? <laughs> it should because there
1: is a professional
0: organizer that I'm working for, like, in the process. And I was like, I'll pay you, but I need help. And my mom is... <laughs> was- freaking dying to like help me out and and i'm like no because this is my stuff like you will not understand how i want it like it's just not the same and so like that the professor organized i said don't you have like online services and she's like no not yet so that's why i was like maybe you can like a skype call and like see where my room
1: is and (laughs) (laughs) It's a good idea, right? I know, because you know what I find? Like they say, there's a saying like, your physical space reflects your mental space. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really profound. Because I think for, for a lot of, you know, when we do have so much stuff around us, it can make us feel quite mentally cluttered as well. It's strange how the two seem to connect. And when you do like get rid of so much stuff, I mean, I've heard this time and time again, when sisters do uh, declutter, they kind of, once it's done, they exhale and go like, oh my goodness, I just feel so much better. Um, subhanallah it's amazing how you I mean, you wouldn't imagine that your physical space could affect you so much but it, it seems to subhanallah
0: and yeah it's so interesting I hear I haven't like read the science research or whatever but they, I hear like article titles like people who are uh, most messy are the most creative and like successful whatever true. Yeah. and i'm like and my mom is like that makes no sense your room like your brain is like your room because <laughs> <laughs> your room yeah. is so messy your brain is messy, like <laughs> so That's it's so funny yeah i don't know but anyways yes one way to be warmed up for Ramadan is to declutter our spaces including our cars <laughs>
1: Yeah, including cars, absolutely. Is your car cluttered as well? <laughs> you keep it not, in like, a second bedroom? This week, no, this week I cleaned it up, thank God,
0: but it was, yes. <laughs> I don't even have oh, family. Like, imagine people that have family. Like, I'm not even, you know, no kids, none of that, and it's like, yeah, anyhow. So, office, rooms, cars, all of it. And then another way that I'm to mentioned is the nutrition part. It's another way to warm up. And... Are, so how about your sleeping pattern? How do you go around your sleeping pattern? Oh, that's a
1: good question. So, you know, I would love to say I've actually just <laughs> been traveling internationally. So I have jet lag. I had jet lag on the way there. And then I kind of I semi-adjusted on the way there and I came back. And, you know, I'd like to give the best of advice. And that is obviously we are encouraged to go to bed as soon after our Isha prayers as possible. And... Mm-hmm. You know, amazingly enough, when I went, I was just out in out in Africa seeing my family. And because of the jet lag, what was amazing was my body clock actually was waking me up in the early hours of the morning uh, when I was out there. And then I was exhausted by 8, sort of 8, 8.30 p.m. So I was like a little kid, right? I would just I'd pray and I'd go straight to bed. But you know, what the incredible thing was that it put so much vodka in my morning. I had so much time. I could get all this amazing stuff done before 8 a.m. And so... I mean, I would recommend to people to try and start, myself included, because I'm trying to get onto a, a better schedule now that I'm back in Malaysia, is that try to sort of start getting to bed a little bit earlier. If you are, Especially if you're a real night owl, if you're getting to bed like, you know, 11, 12, one-ish, get to bed a little bit earlier for now. And then, of course, you know, when Ramadan comes around, it throws us all out because we, we're we praying. It, and of course, the time zones make a difference. But, you know, we've got Ishu, we've got Tarawih, then you're hopefully trying to get up for Qiyam. And so... Really trying to get uh, your rest now is a fantastic, it's a fantastic starting point anyway. And inshallah, you can earn an by, you know, trying to follow the sunnah as well.
0: Inshallah, yes. And great tips. And same thing with like our prayers, Aisha I sometimes get lazy and then I remind myself like, if I'm lazy now, I'm tired now. How's it going to be when I pray to You know, you talked about your Get Ready for Ramadan program. Would you please tell us about it more and how we can join
1: you? Absolutely. So get ready for Ramadan is running for the for, uh, fourth year this year. Yeah. It's the fourth year and it very much focuses on the things that I, that I mentioned, you know, making space for change the Dean connection, getting organized, and then finally this deep internal reflection and it runs over a, a four week period. And I think one of the things about getting ready for Ramadan that makes it very different from other courses is that it's very much based on simplicity. You know, I know that sisters are incredibly busy, So classes are a maximum of about eight minutes. And then we just do really like simple takeaway points. And mashallah, the feedback that I've really got over the years was that it was simple, easy to understand, easy to apply. And that's really what I focus on with Get Ready for Ramadan. So we kick off on the 25th of March and the course will run through until the 26th of April, inshallah. So it's four weeks and each week there's just four little mini classes Plus, you get awesome resources, downloadable resources, as well as like extra little resources that will help you get organized. And that's it, really. So I'm excited to get started with that, inshallah. And so, yeah, you have your own course coming up for uh, Ramadan preparation, don't you? Yes. And you're the inspiration
0: for me, I did join your course a few years ago, and it was really helpful, so thank you. But for me, instead of calling it a course or a program, it's a fitness challenge. So, like, you know how trainers have fitness challenges, like, lose weight or summer body, get ready kind of fitness challenge. Mine is, like, a Ramadan prep fitness challenge, so it's, like, there's a workout aspect
1: to it, but it's also accountability and guidance from me to be prepared inshallah mashallah that sounds amazing and you know what i think it's amazing with the whole sort of like the physical body there are so many elements and it's not just about the nutrition but like really taking care of our body in all areas and realizing that our body is an amana and by you know taking care of it in terms of fitness as well as sleep as well as nutrition that if we put our intention behind these things that we raise all of these things to acts of worship subhanallah like that is amazing so i think you know like helping people what you're doing helping people get get physically ready for ramadan is so incredibly important and it brings such an interesting element to the whole ramadan prep mashallah um sakina tell us about your book then the oh my gosh you tell me about it because i am so
0: excited for you and i want to hear more about it for our audience
1: Oh, I'd love to. So this is really exciting. It's my first time writing a book and also self-publishing. The book's name, I briefly mentioned it before, is Then and Now, Food in the Time of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Food Now. And it's actually based on a talk that I did at the very first Healthy Muslim Summit, which had a massive response. And I also, it was an article that was in Sisters Magazine. So again, it had a really big response. So I realized that the Muslims were very interested in this topic and it was a it was an interesting way of being able to present the issues with our current food system in a way that kind of compared food now to food in the time of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and showed just how much food has changed and how much our food system has been corrupted and of course the effects that it's having on our lives. But you know the thing is like while I was writing the book, there is a lot of I mean obviously when you talking about the corruption in the food system, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, it's kind of depressing. And it is, but I think what I realized as I was writing this book, and I even put it in the book, is kind of saying that understanding what's going on with our food system is not the end goal. It's just a stepping stone. It's just the knowledge that we need that allows us to make better choices for the sake of Allah, alhamdulillah. So unfortunately you kind of have to like, you have to dive in and like learn all the stuff that, that is really going on. And it motivates you to then kind of make these positive changes that will help us gain health, energy, wellness, and really take care of the body that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. Because our bodies are in a manner, like I was just saying, you know, we don- often don't think about the food that we're eating and that this food is genuinely, it's sustaining us. And this food is from Allah. So. And that at the core of everything, that healthy eating is actually very simple. It's simply eating natural whole food, the way Allah made it, and the way the prophets wa would have eaten it. Like it's really, really simple. Of course, knowing what is natural whole food is where things get a bit trickier with our current food system because it has been quite compromised. And so that's kind of where the knowledge comes in. But yeah, it's so super exciting. It's literally being printed right now. It's available on launch good at the moment. And then inshallah, we're gonna have the official book launch in June so that's when inshallah it's going to be available in bookstores and on amazon for now though it's just available on launch good because we're trying to raise money not just uh, to cover the cost of the book but for a much bigger project where we want to create short downloadable workshops that anybody can run around the world and they'll be in english first and then inshallah if we raise enough funds to translate that workshop into arabic do Bahasa Malay, uh, Bahasa Indonesia, Turkish, and possibly French as well. So really trying to get this message out to as many Muslims as possible because, you know, I mean, you know, you work in, in health and wellness. Like our Omah is really struggling with health issues. You know, we are, we're in the top 25 when it comes to diabetes and obesity. SubhanAllah. And yet we have the very best of examples. Like we have all the guidance that we need. We've just moved away from it. And so I really want to try and at a grassroots level, just try and like get, uh, reach people and help brothers and sisters around the world make positive changes, inshallah. Inshallah.
0: And also it's, it's an, our body is a, it just came to my mind uh, today and a few years ago. It, our body is an a manner, yes. And also our body will be a witness. So, yes. on the judgment. So since my business name, Be for Akhirah. <laughs> and that's why it's important to, as you said, to know what we're eating, to work on it,
1: and it's a work in progress absolutely and you know what i think when you're saying like that be fit for our that's the exact point and i think when you shift that mindset and I, that's what i've seen when, even when i'm working with sisters you know when people i had a sister say to me she said you know i've tried for years to change my eating habits because i wanted to lose weight so for this reason or for that reason and it was only when she did she did a 10-day program with me and she said it's This time it's so different because I've realized that my body isn't a mana and that I'm doing this for the sake of Allah, that I'm actually making these changes to gain health. And wellness for the sake of allah rather than trying to lose weight kind of for the dunya for my own you know like just because i want to lose weight and she said as soon as she changed her mindset because that changes your intention right it changes everything and it gives you that deep internal motivation when you realize like that this is this is not just going to benefit you in the dunya but that it is for your akhirah as well in terms of reward as well as accountability exactly as you're saying because we're going to be asked about this our bodies will testify subhanallah may we all be prepared for Ramadan Amin and, I mean. and
0: uh-huh. one last question so where can we find you and stay in contact with you social media or email?
1: All right so I would say the easiest way to get in touch or keep in touch or to sort of follow Healthy Muslima would be just to head across to the Healthy Muslima website the platform, there are actually four websites, but you can find all of them listed on the Healthy Muslim website. So that's HealthyMuslima.com. And uh, in terms of email, info at HealthyMuslima.com. But again, all of that is kind of on the website. So if you want to just remember one thing, just go for the HealthyMuslima.com. From there, you can navigate to Get Ready for Ramadan, Then and Now, and the Summit as well. So it's kind of, it's all listed on that webpage, inshallah. Inshallah. And everyone will be evidently in Emily's show notes and do go up to her website
0: and Facebook page, she has amazing stuff, and also her Healthy Muslima Summit. You're having one this year too, right?
1: Uh, yeah, we are. So the Healthy Muslima Summit runs uh, one month after Ramadan. It's kind of like I've got a sequence. Get ready for Ramadan is one month, pe- oh, like a couple months before. Then there's Ramadan, and then the summit is always one month after Ramadan. Because, you know, we we tend to get through Ramadan, and then we we hit the Ramadan, uh, post-Ramadan slump about a month after Ramadan. So... That's kind of why I put the summit there because it's kind of that it's that spiritual boost that just kind of gets us back on track and and kind of keeps us going. So it will be running at the beginning of July this year, inshallah. And this year it's actually going to be four days instead of eight, because I just decided people are pretty overwhelmed and I just thought, you know, let's keep it a bit shorter. But we have amazing speakers, again, mashallah. So super excited. So I hope that you can all come and you join us. It's 100% free to to register and attend. So please do keep an eye out for that after Ramadan. Inshallah. Thank you so
0: much, I'm Sakina. I have a wonderful day. And by the way, guys, so she is in Malaysia. It's 8 o'clock here on Wednesday. It's morning
1: on her Thursday. <laughs> so thank you for being so early with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you for your patience with the time zone confusion. And thank you so much for having me. I just love what you're doing. It's an absolute honor to be here today. And I've really enjoyed it. Jazakallah khai. Wiyaki. Assalamu alaikum. salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for akhirah <laughs>